Taiwan has passed a fourth consecutive day with fewer than 200 COVID cases. The Central Epidemic Command Center reported 167 local infections on Wednesday, mostly from Taipei, New Taipei, Miaoli and Taoyuan. Case tally stood in the single digits in Hualien, Xinju, Jilong, Kaohsiung and Taichung. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said the epidemic is showing signs of slowing, but once again he urged the public not to get complacent. The case count is a little higher than yesterday, but overall the development of the outbreak seems to be trending downward. I still maintain that currently we can only say that the outbreak has stabilized, so it's absolutely not time to relax. Taiwan also reported 18 COVID-related deaths. One involved a man in his 80s who had tested negative for COVID three times before testing positive. He died just two days after his diagnosis. The CECC said investigations into his case are ongoing to determine if he became infected after the first three tests. After a sluggish start, Taiwan's COVID vaccination drive is shifting into high gear. More than 140,000 people throughout the nation got AstraZeneca shots on Tuesday as eligibility widened to people 75 and older. More AstraZeneca vaccines will go out Thursday, enough to inoculate 53% of Taiwan residents 75 and older. The government will also release another 73,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine on Friday for use by top priority groups, including airline crew. More than 140,000 doses were administered nationwide on Tuesday. Our hope is to expand vaccination and we shouldn't have any problems with that. The goal is to administer at least 1 million doses a week. People 75 and older became eligible for COVID vaccines on Tuesday and more than 140,000 doses were administered. The health minister thanked local governments for organizing vaccine clinics. He also responded to complaints from local governments that they weren't getting enough vaccines. Right now, there's one thing that we have to discuss with local governments as soon as possible, and it's that they haven't been proactive enough in compiling lists of people eligible. So there have been some people left out. That's led to disparities between the amounts listed by local governments and the actual amount of vaccines needed. Chen said more AstraZeneca vaccines will be shipped out on Thursday. The number given to each local government will be based on historical turnout rates for the flu vaccine. The upcoming shipment, plus the last, will be enough to vaccinate 53 percent of people aged 75 and older. It'll be enough to vaccinate 58 percent of that demographic in Greater Taipei and 55 percent across all medium to high-risk cities and counties. The CECC emphasized that it was not allocating vaccines strictly based on the number of older adults in each city or county. So far in its vaccination campaign, Taiwan has administered more than one million COVID vaccine doses. Another 73,200 Moderna doses will be released for use on Friday. People in priority groups 1, 2 and 3 are eligible for this batch of Moderna vaccines. We must prevent the entry of new virus variants into Taiwan, so protecting our border control staff is very important.
Therefore, we will set aside 10,000 doses for this group. A reporter asked the CECC why it had changed its policy on the 73,200 Moderna doses. Originally, they were set aside to be used by healthcare workers as a second dose. Now that they're being distributed for wider use, could it mean that more Moderna shipments are on the way? In response, the health minister said only that the CECC had made all the preparations required by its policies. The mayor of Prague, Zdenia Krib, says he's called on the Czech government to send COVID vaccines to Taiwan. The Prague mayor is a longtime supporter of Taiwan who made an official visit to Taipei last year. In a video posted on social media, he said he was appalled that politics was obstructing Taiwan's access to vaccines. He said he had asked his country's prime minister and other officials to organize a delivery of vaccines for Taiwan. Meanwhile, in Japan, the cabinet is considering a second delivery of AstraZeneca vaccines for Taiwan after donating 1.24 million doses earlier this month. Yaita Akio, a Japanese journalist, says public opinion toward Taiwan is warmer than ever and a second vaccine donation could arrive by the end of the month. Taiwan has rolled out Japan's donation of 1.24 million AstraZeneca doses, which are being offered to older adults. President Tsai Ing-wen took to Twitter to announce the launch and to thank Japan. The tweet gained likes and shares from Japanese users, who left messages cheering Taiwan on in its time of need. It got a retweet from Japan Defense Minister Kishi Nobuo, who added a comment, at oil Taiwan. COVID-19 vaccines provided from Japan have begun to be administered in Taiwan. Some areas are having their elders stay seated while medical workers move from person to person, adopting the Umamachi vaccination style of Fukuoka Prefecture. Japan media reported on Taiwan's vaccine launch and President Tsai's tweet thanking Japan. It's really touched the heartstrings of many Japanese people especially since people feel that they have done a good thing and they're feeling a sense of accomplishment. Over the past few days, there have been voices in Japan calling for more help to be provided to Taiwan. The public sentiment is extremely warm to a degree that is unprecedented. Japan's foreign minister said Tuesday that his country would consider donating more COVID vaccines to Taiwan and Vietnam directly, as well as via the COVAX platform. They are making a point of saying that it's not only through COVAX, that aid will be provided to Taiwan the way it was the last time through a special Taiwan-Japan channel. This time, Japan is being very efficient, so I think it won't be long now. Over in Prague, the city's mayor, who visited Taiwan last year, called on the Czech government to send vaccines. I am so appealed that politics is obstructing the delivery of vaccines to Taiwan. I have urged the Czech Prime Minister, Health Minister and the Minister of Foreign Affairs to organize vaccine delivery for Taiwan. Your country helped us when we struggled and I want you to know that we support you as well. The Prague mayor said he had not forgotten Taiwan's help in his country's time of need. In his video, he urged Taiwan to stay strong and know that Prague was by its side. The European Union is set to lift COVID travel restrictions on Taiwan residents. The EU's 27 members agreed Wednesday to open their doors to non-essential travel from eight countries and regions. 
Taiwan is on the white list along with the U.S., Albania, North Macedonia, Serbia and Lebanon, as well as Hong Kong and Macau. However, EU member states can still enforce quarantine and other entry requirements for arrivals. Daniel Crittenbrink, the nominee for U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs, has described China as Washington's biggest geopolitical test. Speaking at his confirmation hearing, Crittenbrink said his priority as Assistant Secretary would be to strengthen U.S. ties with its allies and partners, including Taiwan. Also on Tuesday, U.S. President Joe Biden met with leaders of the European Union in Brussels to reinforce alliances against the Chinese threat. After the summit, the U.S. and EU leaders released a joint statement that emphasized the importance of peace across the Taiwan Strait. We are committed. We have never fully left, but we are reasserting the fact that it's overwhelming the interest of the United States of America to have a great relationship with NATO and with the EU. After wrapping up the G7 summit in the UK, Biden met with European leaders in Brussels on Tuesday. After the US-EU summit, the members released a statement similar to the G7 communique. It underscored the importance of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and encouraged the peaceful resolution of cross-strait issues. It also said the US and EU would continue to coordinate on shared concerns, including ongoing human rights violations in Xinjiang and the erosion of autonomy and democratic processes in Hong Kong. It said both sides remained seriously concerned about the situation in the East and South China Seas. Meanwhile, in the U.S. Senate, the Taiwan issue also took the stage. During his confirmation hearing, Crittenbrink emphasized the U.S. commitment to Taiwan. It's crystal clear uh, to me, Senator, uh, is uh, the United States' commitment, uh, rock-solid commitment to meeting our, our obligations under the Taiwan Relations Act. as. Uh, Beijing's uh, aggressive and bullying behavior vis-a-vis Taiwan grows, uh, I think that our uh, response has to be calibrated by our long-standing uh, one-China policy based on the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, and the six assurances to Taiwan uh, that has ensured cross-strait stability. Crittenbrink underscored the importance of Taiwan-U.S. relations, saying the U.S. would further develop its robust ties with its democratic partner, Taiwan. He also stressed that Washington would remain committed to its obligations to support Taiwan's self-defense under the Taiwan Relations Act. On Tuesday, China entered Taiwan's airspace once again, this time sending a wave of 28 planes. In response, Pentagon spokesman John Supple said that China's increasing military activities were destabilizing and raising the risk of miscalculation. Supple stressed that the U.S. would continue deepening its unofficial security relationship with Taiwan. During his confirmation hearing, Crittenbrink also addressed China's military aggression. They have stated uh, that their long-term goal uh, is reunification. are deeply concerned uh, by the increase in, in aggression uh, and harassment and coercion that we have seen directed uh, at Taiwan. Uh, the United States has made available uh, to the authorities on Taiwan uh, more than $30 billion in arms sales since 2009. 
I think that for Western countries, the importance of Taiwan is rising. On the one hand, everyone sees that the Chinese threat to Taiwan is growing fast. Taiwan's defense of freedom and democracy has been acknowledged by the international community. But what's more important is that we hope that these countries can take concrete actions to help Taiwan and maintain peace and stability in the region. With the threat looming, the U.S. is cooperating with its allies to counter Beijing. Crittenbrink says the U.S. will continue to carry out its commitments under the Taiwan Relations Act and the Six Assurances to maintain peace in the Taiwan Strait and support Taiwan's self-defense. The health minister said Tuesday that COVID viral fragments were detected at two wastewater treatment plants last month. More wastewater testing is underway to pinpoint the exact location of the virus. Zhou Baiqian, a doctor at Taipei Medical University Hospital, says if the viral load does not decrease over time, mass testing should be conducted on individuals to reduce the risk of community transmission. We have detected a viral load at two sewage treatment facilities. We are going district to district to conduct testing and pinpoint the origin. With COVID spreading in the community, traces of virus have been found in wastewater. CECC chief Chen Zhizhong has confirmed contamination at two sewage facilities. Experts say the sewage poses little transmission risk to the community, but should still be handled with caution. This water must be properly handled, the way that hospitals deal with COVID patients and their excrement. There should be immediate disinfection. Secondly, there should be an investigation. The sewer may have passed through communities and residential buildings. How many confirmed cases were in each of them? Recently, Singapore found six COVID cases on a residential block after viral fragments were detected in their wastewater. Studies done in Singapore show that if the virus is detected in sewage, individual swab tests can help uncover asymptomatic cases in the community. If that neighborhood has not reported any cases so far, and yet the virus is in its wastewater, then everybody had better be careful. The residents should go get tested for COVID. The two contaminated sewage sites were discovered in May, and they are believed to be in established COVID hotspots. Experts say that if the viral load does not decrease over time, mass testing should be launched to control community transmission. The Ministry of Labor has released its latest statistics on unpaid leave. In the space of only one week, 1,318 people were placed on unpaid leave. That marks a sharp weekly increase of 26 percent. About a third of these newly furloughed workers are from the hotel and food and beverage industries. Let's hear from a Labor Ministry official. Some are from hot pot restaurants, others from buffets. It's somewhat difficult for such restaurants to search to takeout only. Over the short term, potentially by the next two weeks or even the next month, the situation will be arduous for them. Altogether, there are now 6,383 employees on furlough, representing 625 businesses. Besides hotels and restaurants, other businesses turning to furloughs include retailers, wholesalers, and certain medical businesses like rehabilitation centers and dentist clinics.
Performance groups across Taiwan are feeling the impacts of level 3 COVID alert. The world-renowned contemporary legend theater has canceled all their performances into July. The Taiwan Ballet Company says they've reduced their practices and have begun to put up videos of ballet tutorials on social media. Meanwhile, renowned Taiwanese dance troupe Cloud Gate has set up a series of free online dance classes. For most of news reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the performers to learn about their current situation. The ballet teacher gives pointers on how to do a tondu. Amid the pandemic, the Taiwan Ballet Dance Company has created a series of tutorials open to the public on their Facebook fan page. There are tutorials on bar, floor bar, and how to sew ballet shoes. Our rehearsal rooms have been shut down, so it has a great impact on us. Because of this, I had the idea of arranging home ballet classes. The design of the course is divided into many levels. There are courses for professional dancers, which are bar classes at home. There are also adult bar classes, which are relatively simple. There are even floor bar classes. We plan to have an online dialogue with our dancers in the future so that people can understand the lifestyle of our ballet dancers. Extended nationwide level three alert. The Taiwan Ballet Company says the pandemic has impacted their practice schedules and future performances. This level three alert will be extended to June 28th. In fact, when we heard this, the dancers in our group were very sad because we are unable to return to the rehearsal room. Originally, our dance group planned to perform two performances in Kaohsiung on September 29th and September 30th this year. We are now very worried that we can't rehearse due to the pandemic. On the other hand, the world-renowned contemporary legend theater was planning on performing their piece, The Tempest, on June 6 in Taipei, Kaohsiung and Hualien. However, due to the rise in domestic cases, the group had to cancel their performances. The group is currently working from home. Due to the pandemic, our performances from May, June and July have been canceled. Especially, The Tempest performance is a very large-scale work. So judging from the overall box office revenue, the loss is probably 10 million NT. Meanwhile, CloudGate has closed all branches of its CloudGate classroom until July 2nd, but it's launched a series of free online dance classes. The troupe will share a live stream and post tutorials on their Facebook fan page every day from Monday to Saturday. Its courses will range from stretching, French and Russian dance styles, as well as martial arts. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Lu Botong in Taipei. At the height of summer, electricity bills can get eye-watering. If you're starting to fret about your growing use of aircon, never fear. We've got some tips on how to economize on aircon from Thai Power, electronics retailers and energy-saving experts. It's a scorching hot summer and lots of us have aircon on whenever we're at home. Some people keep it dialed down to a chilly temperature, which really uses energy fast. If you're looking to make savings, choosing the right machine is a good place to start. 
A frequency conversion unit is more energy efficient and makes less demands of the air compressor. If you're out of the room an hour or two, you can put it on the fan setting, which doesn't produce cold air. Each time you turn the machine on, the compressor works using an average of 1.3 kilowatt hours. Right now, frequency conversion units can save about 40% more power than fixed frequency units. Thai Power is also full of tips for aircon strategies. If you close windows and doors, set the aircon between 26 and 28 degrees, and use an electric can save an extra 6% on power for every degree hotter it gets outside. As long as you switch to an energy-saving aircon and your energy usage this year is the same as last year, you can definitely save 1,000 to 2,000 NT on each energy bill at least. After you switch to energy-saving aircon, I recommend you clean the filter grill at least once a week. This energy-saving expert goes beyond just fiddling with the settings. She says cleaning the aircon can help keep it in good condition as well as work at optimal efficiency. A Taipei fitness studio has donated its own nutrition drinks to doctors and nurses to help them stay healthy under the pressure of COVID. The studio is struggling to adapt to online classes, but it decided to donate its own products to local medical workers as a gesture of thanks. Medical workers open thank you cards and accept gifted protein drinks gratefully. The medical system is under pressure as we weather the level 3 alert. These fitness studio employees have sent along some high nutrition drinks to show their care. We thought the more positive a gift we can make, the better. So what kind of thing would support them? And in fact, we've always had these high-protein drinks. They're very busy, and we hope that in their brief breaks, they can replenish their energy in the most efficient and nutritious way. The studio manager led staff in making handwritten thank you cards to accompany the drinks. The fitness industry is under strain as coaches resort to online classes and suffer the loss of in-person teaching opportunities. But even while this business struggles to survive, it wants to lend a hand to medical workers. We hope that everyone will take care of themselves in this period, both physically and mentally. We suggest trying to find ways to keep up a varied diet to maintain good health. It's a busy time for doctors and nurses, but the donation brought a moment of lightness to the working days. A certificate of thanks was presented by the hospital. Fitness experts and doctors alike urged the public to prioritize a healthy diet, exercise and other forms of self-care to keep healthy and happy while at home.